You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey friends, thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of of Quarantine and Chill, a part of Disability After Dark, where I sit down with disabled people and talk to them about their experiences of the global pandemic. Because as we full know... Full well know, there are not enough discussions around disabled voices during the pandemic. So I thought way back in March that I would use my platform to uplift some of the pandemic and disability experiences that are happening right now. And that is what Quarantine and Chill has come to be. And so I try to do one once a week, once every other week, and just have... An episode where we all we do is talk about the pandemic, and I think it's really important and really great. And I'm really excited to bring another one to you right now. Again, my name is Andrew Gerza. I am your number one queer cripple. Let's get comfy, cozy, crippled, and quarantined, and let's get the show started. Before we get the show too started, I want to let you know that if you want to become a guest on Quarantine and Chill or on these special episodes for the pandemic, you can email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com using the subject line Quarantine and Chill. Tell me a little bit about your disability, a little bit about your experience of the pandemic, and kind of some of the stuff you might want to talk about in a pandemic-themed episode in a Quarantine and Chill, and we will get you on. So... I'd love to have all of you because we need more disabled voices talking about the pandemic for sure. So think about uh, being a guest on, a, on, a, on, a, on an upcoming Quarantine and Chill. But now, let's go on to the show. On this Quarantine and Chill, I brought back someone that I loved talking to the last time. I talked with my friend Ryan Kress about her experience with EDS, I think about a year and a half ago. Uh, on the podcast, and so I brought her back to talk about her experience being a disabled healthcare worker and dealing with the pandemic. There was so much to unpack here. We spent like 20 minutes just talking healthcare. There was so much to talk about in this episode around healthcare. We admonished Trump a bunch and and begged people to vote so that he can get out out of office so that Americans can get better healthcare. Um, And then we talk about why... Ryan, as a as a disabled healthcare practitioner, thinks it's really important that we social distance and we wear masks to protect immunocompromised and disabled people. And then we also have a bunch of laughs in here too. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this one, but I thought it was really important because 
of Ryan's background as a healthcare provider. I thought it was really, really key that we sit down with her. So I was so happy to do it and so excited to bring it to you. So on this episode of Quarantine and Chill, let me reintroduce you to my friend, Ryan Kress. On Quarantine and Chill, the podcast within Disability After Dark, here it is right now. Ryan Cress, hey. Hey. So nice to have you back on Disability After Dark. How are you today? No, it's nice to be back. I'm great. It's my day off. Marvelous. Oh, wow. Day off. <laughs> yes. What are you doing on your day off? What- Nothing. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the best. Did you sleep in on your day off? Hell, yes, I did. It Good. was lovely. That's what I want to hear. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, um, so... I loved talking to you the last time because we did a we did a a regular disability after dark about your life as a polyamorous person with disabilities, but also yes. because you were a nurse, you are a nurse with mm-hmm. disabilities, um, and I wanted to kind of play with that today because the world is on fire, especially <laughs> in the medical but- community, and <laughs> I wanted to kind of talk to you about all the all the regular quarantine and show questions that I ask everybody, but I also want to ask some medical questions about COVID to drive home the point that stay home, wear a fucking mask, Mm -hmm. protect chronically (laughs) ill and disabled people from this virus, please. Definitely. Um, So we're going to get into all that. But before we do that, can you reintroduce yourself to the Disability After Dark audience? Tell them who you are. Tell them what your disabilities are and how they impact you day to day. Absolutely. So for any of you who don't know me, my name is Ryan Kress. I am a disabled nurse, activist, disability advocate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I have, um, I was born with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, um, which I know there's been quite a few episodes with people with EDS now, but just in case you haven't caught one, it's a collagen disorder that causes um, all of me to be too stretchy, basically. (laughs) So everything dislocates. Um, as far as my joints go. And so I've been in a chair for two years next month um, because my hips, knees, and ankles no longer support me when I go to walk. Um, so that is that. I am also Miss Wheelchair Virginia. <laughs> and Yay, cool. Yeah, Yay. I have a crown. <laughs> That's I mean, a change since last time. Didn't you always have a crown? Were you always <laughs> I mean, obviously. Were you always a queen? Definitely. <laughs> That's a given. Now I just have an actual one that I can wear and embarrass people in public spaces. It's fun. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, so that's me. Um, yeah. I mean, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome is, we did it. I just did an episode on one where I did it by myself. No. And I, did, I did the research and I hope, I hope that I great. like, did, I hope I did it justice because I literally was like, I'm going to just Google shit and, and hope that it's the correct information. <laughs> I'm excited. I gotta check um, it out. It was it was really fun to do, and I had people coming into my DM saying how great it was. I did have a few people coming in also saying like, "Hey, this was not correct." But I was oh, like, "Oh, whatever. sorry, I just googled it. Like, I didn't know. Yeah. I was just trying to." Oops, but thank you. But no. But <laughs> you're like our millionth EDS person on the show. Like, I, I most of my guests have EDS and ten other things. So like. True. It's really cool, but not cool, but it's cool that this community of zebras is ever there. Yes. yes. I almost said it's cool that it's growing, and I was like, it's not that cool that it's growing. It's just, <laughs> it's 
school but it's it just there. means that research is better now so we'll yeah. take it it's yeah. fine totally so let's move into the quarantine and chill type questions because yes. that's what we're here for today a q and c uh <coughs> as i choke into the mic and I'm a, I'm a shit editor, so that part's dang it. Um, and also, before I hit record, what no one heard or saw was that, like, I choked on a drink. I almost died in front of Ryan as we were setting up. It was great. Call um, 911 from here. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Good time. So, anyway, let, let, let me be, pretend to be professional. Yeah, right. Um, so, everyone in the world has been saying things like, this is the new normal. This is what we're expected to go through now. This is like the huge buzzword right now. It's like new normal mm-hmm. is yeah. what everyone's saying. As a disabled person dealing with all this stuff that you do, does that term feel uncomfortable for you? Does it feel like this is what you were expecting? As, you know, as we're going through all this, do you have a sense of comfort around all this stuff that's happening? Not comfort, but like, mm-hmm. but like familiarity Yes, definitely. Um, But for me, it's more from working as a nurse. Um, And because I was a nurse during um, the US had a Ebola scare a few years ago. And so I worked through that. I've, you know, taken care of tuberculosis patients, AIDS patients, all kinds of super, you know, um, easy, easily contracted diseases. Um, And most of my time as a nurse was spent in the ER where, you know, you run into a room and you have absolutely no idea what that patient could possibly have, especially, you know, they come in unconscious. So um, for me, and and then just as a disabled woman who is kind of on the um, immunocompromised section, I have a weak heart, so it would be hard for me. Yeah, yay! It would be hard to, you know, to survive COVID. So it has definitely been interesting hearing about the new normal but for me it's not too new <laughs> because it's, you're used you're used to not only yeah. high stress situations but also given you know the EDS that you have and all the other yeah. disabilities that you mm-hmm. that you're living with you know it sounds like you've already done a lot of this quarantining you've already done like mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. this like, I already you know have to wash my hands constantly and watch out what if I'm in huge crowds and think about these things. And so like throwing a mask into the mix really didn't change anything other than I got to buy ones with rainbows on them. And yeah, like <laughs> fancy fun. ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, how does it feel when non-disabled people say to you like, Oh, this is the new normal. And this is like what we're going through. Like, how does that because that started when I mm-hmm. when I wrote that question back in like March when I first started doing these. That question sounded really like you know topical and important. And now it's like okay, could we just could everybody just relax with that? Like chill. No, I mean it definitely. When that first started happening, I it was diff- difficult for me because I do kind of walk through these two worlds of this, the disabled community, but also in the healthcare practitioner. So for, I was very cognizant when people started saying things like that, you know, because EDS does tend to have a lot more immunocompromised people than me yeah. and um, people who have been quarantining and social distancing their entire lives. It felt kind of 
insensitive to that community just because it's not new for everyone. For some of us, this is our entire lives and you're just getting a tiny peek into just how difficult it is to live like this yeah. and how, you know, sometimes I don't, how people can take it as, oh, well, it's just Ryan doing that again. She doesn't want to come out to this group of people because she's just scared again. Kind well, of do thing. you get that a lot with your friend group? Does that happen a lot? I don't, I don't, but I have friends that with EDS that I have heard many, many, many stories of that happening. My friends are used to it. I, and I'm also a terrible patient and tend to just <laughs> be like, yeah, I'll be there. I'm coming and be on the outskirts of the giant crowds of people. And just from working in healthcare for so long, I am so, so acutely aware of just how gross humanity is. <laughs> so. And I think we found the tag for this episode. Humanity is disgusting. <laughs> right? It is. So, you know, I've always kind of thought like that. But it definitely when you're right, back in March when it all first started coming out as this new normal thing, it was very insensitive to this entire community of people that it's not new at all <laughs> yeah, and it hasn't been new for for many of us for a long long time mm-hmm. and exactly. so like are you like what part of that it feels comforting to you um for me i think it feels more comforting just because people are getting a peek into you know how the other half lives or, oh, maybe this is how other people exist their entire lives. Or, oh, so this is what my nurses go through every single day of my life. Like, it, so it, it's kind of given them not only a peek into how the disabled community lives, but also how um, our healthcare needs work everywhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think work is the nicest way of you saying, holy yeah. fuck, it needs to be universal. Yeah. Can we just please? And I live in Canada where I have universal healthcare. Yeah. And I mean, I have universal in the sense that it's free. Doesn't mean it's always good. Doesn't mean it's always accessible. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's, you know, doesn't mean it's it's the best. But I'm really glad that I don't get a bill at the end of every time that I'm there. Like, I I get to just go. I've been in the hospital a lot this summer with, Mm -hmm. God, let me count the way, bowel obstruction, uh, UTI, um something else in the beginning of the summer that I can't remember, but a lot, but things, I go there and sometimes I'm there for two, three days or eight Mm -hmm. hours and I am good. Like I don't have to worry about a bill. Thank goodness. Because Mm -hmm. the U S system, man, the minute you walk in there, like the minute, if you're not, if you're listening and you're not from the U S and you're from a place with universal healthcare, this will feel very weird to you. But the minute you Mm -hmm. walk in to a U.S. health center, or a, a clinic, or the hospital. Before you, before they say hello, they say, "How are you paying for this?" Yep. And mm-hmm. you're just like, "Oh God, what?" Yep. And I, being like on the patient care side of things, I hadn't really had to confront that for many years, just because you know I'm the one that's providing the care. I'm not the one that's dealing with the bills. And so yeah. when I'd get asked those questions, I'm always like, "I don't know. I just, I just do the medical thing." But now I'm working in case management, which is like discharge planning, kind of like setting up nursing homes, rehabs, home health, caregivers, that kind of thing. More like almost social work. And so I have had patients where, you know, they've come into my hospital and they are uninsured or they have the wrong insurance or they don't have a government insurance or the right plan that has 
needs where I've had to go into a room and be like, I don't, I can't offer you anything because your insurance doesn't cover it. You know, I've had, I have just had to go in there and say, I don't have options for you. And that is the hardest and most heartbreaking. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh my gosh. As a nurse, I mean, I want to, I want to help everyone. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, what? Like I have to go, we don't have an answer for this. (laughs) I don't remember. What is wrong with my throat today? (laughs) I don't remember if I asked you this the last time you were on, but on a bunch of TV shows, like Grey's Anatomy and all these shows, like you see these moments where they like, have these uninsured people or these these immigrants to america and they're like okay i'll just fudge the numbers and i'll just like hi i'll just not we'll just we'll just and it's like Mm -hmm. does that is that something that actually happens in medical care so in a like yes and no in a way that's much more small scale so like we there are ways that nurses can you know get around charging a patient for all of the things that they've used in the ho- during their hospital stay and just accidentally forgetting to scan things on an uninsured patient, which, you know, yeah. is total hospital fraud, but <laughs> it's also human decency. Yeah. Um, so little things like that, definitely. But like, we're going to get you a liver transplant and we're going to fund you. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> like, like no. There, was an, there was that episode on Grey's Anatomy where like that guy was going to die if he didn't get this transplant. And then they were like, mm-hmm. we'll just forget to, we'll just put, put yeah, we'll just put the doctor's insurance and we just fine. And I was like, I don't think that's how. <laughs> I think someone would probably come back and be like, hey, where'd that liver go? Like, what, why is it going into your insurance? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I wish. We if, if there was a way, person, why is it under you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. It just feels. It. It just feels. I wish. Like, I think they need to start showing the reality on yes. TV because people. Yes. And this is totally. A, this is not a quarantine show question. This no. is me <laughs> wanting to talk to you about this because, like, I yeah. feel like. If people saw in dramas like Grey's Anatomy and other hospital shows like that, that people can't get insurance, people aren't insured for real. Like not and not just to be dramatic, but for real, this mm-hmm. person died because we couldn't blah. That would maybe wake up the the, the American system mm-hmm. a little bit more. Absolutely, and yeah. one of those times, I mean, it is one on one side a fault of media. So I have families come in and say, you know, their loved one needs to go into a nursing home or something like that. Well, a nursing home in America, out of pocket, is over $300 a day. Yeah, it's nuts. My jaw, what? Yes, it is absolutely insane. I mean, you're paying for your full nursing care, your bed, your meals, your therapies, everything is included. So it's very expensive. And I mean, almost no one pays out of pocket. It's always through your insurance. Yeah. But like, if you haven't been, like, planning for, like, elder care or anything like that towards the end of life and you get to this situation, oftentimes these patients come in, they're like, oh, yeah, we're ready to go to a nursing home. I'm like, well, your insurance doesn't have long-term care benefits. Like, you don't have what you need to get there. And so there are times where I'm like, and these, these families are like, no, that, like, I come to a hospital and you guys have to fix the situation. Like, that's what you do. And I'm just like, this, this isn't how it works, unfortunately. These are the flaws in the system. And I'm constantly telling people, I'm like, I know it's a flawed system. This is just what I'm working with here. 
And, you know, I would go out of my way and like we find other ways to get them the care that they need. But yeah. these families are so just blown away because they see on the media that they, we, you go to a hospital and the hospital fixes you no matter what. Oh, they don't they, see us having to be like, no, we cannot help you and turning people away. Are you hearing this, Trump supporters? Are you yeah. here? like just, I'm just gonna, I just. What? Yes. Like, like when I started working, I was just like, I'm, uh, what? I'm what? That's how this works. So you heard that, everyone listening in America, you heard what we just talked about. So on November, whatever day you're supposed to vote over there, please do it. Please. For the love of God. For the love <laughs> of whatever is up there. Just something, could you. Something. All I of mean, the gods. Option two is just give Donald Trump COVID and then it'll be over. But that works too. I'm good. I mean, I'm good with that. I'm fine with that. However, we got to go about it here. <laughs> yeah, complete 100%. Um, let's jump back into the COVID fund <laughs> yeah. for a second. Uh, what for you, Ryan, is the best mm-hmm. part of being or having to be socially distanced right now? What is your favorite? Oh, working in the hospitals because my patients can't have 17 family members in their room with them right now. They can only have like maybe one. And it has made my job so much easier because you don't have the warring families who want 17 different things and it's the best. And also the hospital is just so like relaxed right now. Oh, nice. Because there's no family. (laughs) It's quiet. Terrible. But the lack of visitors is just, especially in the ER, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is lovely. Oh, um, going places like this. So we're just kind of starting to venture out into public right now in Virginia. Yeah. And um, like I mentioned, I just moved and I, this brewery just opened up across the street from my house. I mean, literally like I can roll out of my front door across the parking lot and up to the bar. Like it's perfect. Yes. Just go straight shot. Yes. So I was super excited, but I was just like, oh my gosh, like it's opening night. It's going to be so crowded. There's no way. Well, because of social distancing, there could only be so many people in there. So it was just this lovely experience. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. See, seriously, Grey's Anatomy, why have you not hired Ryan to do See? like, can, I mean, come on. Have I, yeah. Did I say this before? Because I'm saying it again. Hire no, Ryan. Yep. Like, yeah. Hire you don't Ryan. have any, um, any healthcare practitioners in chairs on uh, Grey's Anatomy right now. So. I mean, you don't. I that and, should happen. I mean, she's Miss Wheelchair. Virginia, so come like, come on, Ellen yeah. Pompeo. Come on, we need to see it. <laughs> and um, on the flip side of that, what is the worst part of social distancing for you? Oh, for sure, not getting to see family members or um, friends with more significant disabilities and things like that. Just having to kind of be so isolated. My grandparents live in the middle of nowhere country and uh, I haven't gotten to see them since like February because they, they have a lot of respiratory issues. And me being a nurse, I'm constantly concerned that I could be a carrier and I just don't know. Yeah. Um, and they haven't started testing healthcare workers yet. I mean, like voluntarily, um, which don't get me started on that either. <laughs> Oh no, let's get started. Have you, have you as a disabled healthcare worker, like, okay, in two streams, as a disabled person, have you been tested yet? No. As a healthcare worker, have you been tested yet? No. Because you can't, and why not? 
because they just very recently started doing like voluntary testing centers for people with no symptoms. Um, Cause it, unless you were actively exposed or showing symptoms, there was no way to get a test. And in the hospital for the longest time, we had a shortage of tests. So they weren't testing. I mean, we were testing all of our patients, but definitely not our staff members. Even if you were exposed, you were sent elsewhere to be tested. Um, but then I think it was this week I saw like they're testing every single like major league baseball player. And I was just like, seriously, we're really. And just by contrast, Mm-hmm. At the time of this recording, I have been tested for free in Canada five times. Five times. Yep. That, it, it, and literally, because I went to a testing center and was like, I don't feel, I feel off. Mm-hmm. I, please get a test. I mean, it turned out, luckily, that it was a, just, a, just, just a UTI. Well, just a, just, just, a UTI. Just, just a UTI. Yeah. But like, so, <laughs> and you know, the last time I got tested, they had mobile testing that came to my building. So, I find what? it, yeah, awesome for free mobile testing that came to where I live and tested yep. us there. I find it appalling mm-hmm. that you, both as a disabled person and as a healthcare practitioner, have not been tested, not because you don't want to be, but because yeah. you do not meet some mm-hmm. arbitrary criteria. <laughs> it's yep. low. And almost none of, none of my coworkers, unless they were actively tested or like had symptoms, have been tested either. And I also kind of think that it's because the way that the tests are showing, you know, we're not sure if you actively have the, the virus or if you had it and you're just a carrier now. Yeah. Um, I think there is honestly a fear that if we test the healthcare workers, we will have no more healthcare workers because we think that it all swept through the employees in a lot of um, our hospitals in November and December of last year. Because we had this huge outbreak of this respiratory junk that was just had weird symptoms and half of the ER nurses called out around Christmas, which never happens. Um, Half of the employees on the floor, they were all sick and everybody was flu negative and we just didn't know what what it was. Sounds like the vid. Mm -hmm. Sounds like the vid. I, we, like all of us think that we have been actively exposed. And so if they test us, Who's going to take care of everyone? Oh, that's, I mean, again, are you hearing this, Trump supporters? Are you hearing this, please? Yeah. If anyone listening to this feed at any point in their lives have supported Trump, he is, I mean, he's not just the reason, but he's a big reason. Yeah. (laughs) Right now, why your healthcare system down there. And I, I am an American living in Canada, so I can sort of speak to this. You know, yeah, he is the, a huge reason why your healthcare system is so bad right now. Please vote out someone else. Anyone Please, else? Biden and Biden and Biden, Kamala. Biden, yeah, that's good. Go for like, it. I don't. Close to him. Like <laughs> he's not great either, but I will take him. No, a, but I'll that, take him. Yeah, a thousand yeah. times over. Oh my lord! I don't care. Just anything but Trump at this point. A anything. trained monkey. <laughs> okay. <sighs> So let's get into why EDS mm-hmm. is why EDS and COVID are scary. So if you were to contract COVID, let's say you were able to get a test, which it sounds like in the ridiculousness of your of your 
ridiculous. Let's pretend yeah. you could get a test and everything, everything is good and mm-hmm. you were positive. What about contracting COVID as somebody with EDS who is on the higher or close mm-hmm. to high immunocompromised scale? What about that scares you? Um, it was the, now I will say like the time of recording, it's been less scary now because we've been so actively exposed for so long. But when COVID first happened and it first came out, it was the very first time. So I've worked in healthcare for 12 years now. And it was the first time in my career that I was honestly afraid to go to work for my own health and safety. Um, I, my office just happens to be located on what's now our COVID floor. So oh. while, yeah, so I'm not actively able, I, I cannot take care of COVID patients. I cannot go into their rooms. Um, it's the way that we do it in our hospital. It's, I mean, it's only your bedside team is the one that's going in those rooms um, for safety and then also to, um, to conserve uh, PPE and masks and everything because yeah. those N95s, you know. <laughs> So back then it was definitely the weirdest thing having worked through, like I said, Ebola and TB and all these other, you know, very easily contractable diseases. It it was just, there's so many unknowns about it that, and because I I do walk that line of kind of like, okay, am I, I mean, I'm kind of high risk. The, The rule of thumb that we always tell people is if you, would have trouble recovering from a severe pneumonia, you are high risk. Like that's, cause that's what COVID's uh, going to do most. Yeah. Is a severe pneumonia. I've had double pneumonia. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I've had double walking pneumonia. Okay. Let me, let me tell the story right. why. So right. I, I, and I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure if we, we, if I told this right last time, I decided in my twenties never to wear a coat in the winter because <laughs> For because I was twenty and silly, but also sure. because put, having somebody put on a coat takes time. Mm-hmm. And when you're twenty and you just want to go somewhere, you don't think about oh whatever. So I had no walking pneumonia for like six months, <laughs> but, and I didn't know because it didn't present super. You know, I coughed a bit, but I was like, okay, I guess I'm all right. And the doctor yeah. was like, we can't do it. I had to go somewhere to have my gallbladder out. I was actually in the U.S. hospital needing my gallbladder out. And the doctor was like, you have walking pneumonia. You, we can't operate on you right now. You need to recover from that first. So, yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. It was so, like, I, you know, having you, having you put that so succinctly, that makes me even more even more vigilant than I was before, but like, okay, gotta mm-hmm. wear a mask all the time. Okay, got it. Because I remember what it was like to have walking pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. And the doctor was like, you could easily die yeah. with this. So just, yeah. Um, in terms of EDS, mm-hmm. like I, when I did that episode where I just looked at what, what the condition was, I didn't, I didn't connect it to COVID. Can yeah. you connect sure. EDS to COVID for me and how it would play out? So... With EDS, like, because there are 13 subtypes and because there are so many different comorbidities that go with it, it's really going to depend on your patient that just basically cut and dry with Ehlers-Danlos. If you have involvement of your heart, so like mine, my, my, my mitral valve is stretched out. Um, so it causes my heart to be weaker. It always beats too fast anyway. So my heart's always having to work in overdrive. So if I were to get oh, pneumonia, it would be hard for me to recover cardiac-wise. 
Um, if you have a port or any kind of a implantable way to get IV access, um, that's an infection risk. A lot of EDS patients need feeding tubes because of gastroparesis with paralyzed stomachs. Um, that's an infection risk. All of these things that would already cause it cause you to be really susceptible to like sepsis and things like that. So if you have this COVID infection on top of it, whether or not that COVID infection is going to cause you to have a worse infection or if being treated for it and having to go to a hospital or something like that and being exposed to more bacteria there is going to cause you to be equally <laughs> immunocompromised. And then just a lot of EDS patients are on medications that cause them to be immunocompromised. And that would put you on a higher risk as well for COVID. So, and then there's a lot, there was a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of things. There's like a lot of things. All of that is, all that is to say so many things. So wear many things. Well, all that is to say like, wear a, yeah, wear a mask, mask. wash your hands. Um, <laughs> yeah, please, please. Um, and as somebody, and we've kind of touched on this throughout the whole episode, which I love so much. But as somebody who works in nursing care, mm-hmm. And you, you've talked a little bit about your high stress situations and like the things you do on a day to day basis as somebody who works in nursing care. What is the importance of wearing a mask and why is social distancing important for everyone, (laughs) but especially to protect immunocompromised and disabled people? In your so, professional practitioner opinion. Yes, my professional opinion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, with the masks, um, whether or not you yourself is immunocompromised and you, that mask is going to you know, protect you a bit from the people around you who are not wearing a mask, um, every time you put that mask on, you are protecting everyone around you from anything that you could be carrying. And because with COVID, we have such... With the testing, we're not sure if, you know, these people, you don't know who's a asymptomatic carrier versus someone who just has it and has really mild symptoms and has no idea or has recently been exposed. You just don't know what other people have been through and how other people are handling this pandemic. Yep. Um, good rule of thumb is just pretend like none of them know what they're doing and never, ever wear a mask. So take care of yourself. Wearing a mask is easy. It takes two seconds. You throw one out before you walk out the door. They have lots of cute patterns. Not hard. That, wash your hands more than often. Wheelchair users, wash your push rims and joysticks more than often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Constantly. Something that is often forgotten. Um, disinfect those joysticks, yo. Yes. Like, Do it. You know, rest your hands, then come in and then coming back to the joystick, Lord. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, you just, you don't know who has an immunocompromised kid at home or, you know, whose mom has cancer or something like that, that yeah. Okay. Wearing a mask is, can be annoying. Sure. Whatever. But it takes two seconds. It doesn't hurt you any, and you could be saving the lives of tons of people that you come into contact in your everyday life. And you don't, you just don't realize it. Yeah. Yeah. And this, I, I made Ryan say that because Ryan is a nurse practitioner and you know and is also disabled and I felt like it was I felt like people were forgetting when I in my building where I live people are in and out of the elevators all the time when there's a giant sign on the elevator that says wear a mask they walk Mm -hmm. out of there like whatever and so did you not see the sign that said Mm -hmm. please wear a mask a mask or a face covering 
Oh, I have a nerf question for you. I, because of my disabilities, cannot adorn a mask with ear loops. It's really hard. So mm-hmm. I've been wearing neck gaiters. Mm-hmm. Now, then I saw a thing on the news that was like, neck gaiters are worse than not wearing a mask at all. As a nurse, what do you, <laughs> is that true? So I have, I've seen, I have the article saved and I haven't read why they're saying it's worse than not wearing a mask because before this, <laughs> there was a time where um, Joint Commission, which is their governing body for all of your um, hospitals, yeah. The hospitals were saying, you know, it, Joint Commission was <laughs> telling us that if we ran out of masks, so in, back in March in the beginning when there was such a shortage, that it would be fine to wear a bandana or even socks. <laughs> so just the fact that this governing body had said that, and when I saw the neck gator thing, I, too, I again, I, I need to read it and I need to see the science behind it. But it's still the idea of having some sort of a protection in front of your mouth and nose versus nothing. Nothing. I will say a lot of the neck gaiters, the fabric is very, very thin. Yeah. Um, I have found they're starting to sell some that have a reinforcement part that goes over your mouth and nose. Um, if not, if you guys know anybody who sews, um, have people that are just either sewing, cutting a mask, cutting using that fabric, and then like lining the inside. If you're you know good with needles and things and don't have hand issues like me (laughs) that's not happening but but yeah I still I'm gonna stick by the something is better than nothing for sure and especially if you have you know outstanding circumstances like a disability or some other reason that you can't physically wear a normal mask definitely something better than nothing because I because I tried a couple of weeks ago to, I had my friends send me a beautiful, some really nice solid color masks with the yeah. ear loops. And I was like, okay, well, they sent them to me. I'm going to try them and take a bunch of pictures. and It'll be cute. So I took them out to go somewhere and I got on the train to go somewhere and I'm sitting there. And then, then it fell off my ears and I was like, I can't. Yeah. I tried for like 20 minutes to put the mask back on my ears. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. Everyone on the train was looking at me like I had done something horribly wrong. Isn't that the worst feeling? (laughs) It was so, and I couldn't ask somebody for help because I was like, no one is going to want to approach me right now. Uh Like, it's super scary. So do you have any tips for people with limited dexterity who Mm -hmm. maybe have ear loopholes, masks, Mm -hmm. and can't put them on other than getting someone else to do it for you? Is there a special way to do it if you can't? Um, Other than just using... I have some friends that have been using extenders or using some other type of fabric to tie the ear holes behind your head um, to make them stay a little bit better. Some of the masks will stretch far enough for you to do that and some of them won't. Or I found I didn't like doing that because it smushed my nose down. (laughs) So um, the masks, they've started to sell ones that have just the open ties and those work a little bit better if you can get them on well the first time because it's definitely really hard to retie them behind your neck. Um, but in that situation, that's exactly one where I would say the neck gaiters is, it's a good alternative for people with dexterity issues. It's a lot easier to kind of nudge that up than trying to get the stupid ear loops yeah, on and all of that. It's, it's so, it was so oh tough gosh, and so boring. frustrating. And I was so angry because my friend had like got me these really nice masks and they're really yeah. pretty. And I was like, I can't, I cannot do anything with that. Yeah. Other than you know, tying them up behind your neck or using the, the tie ones. 
it's, there's just not a lot of great options. Things they do have the, the things that keep the ear loops off of your ears, but it's generally a button. So it's the same kind of Yeah, the same problem. Situation. If you don't have the dexterity. Yeah. Like, and what people mm-hmm. don't realize is that a lot of people with disabilities who need care and who have attendants don't have the attendant with them 24-7 mm-hmm. usually. Exactly. Like, they have them in their home either at certain points of the day or they're available whenever you need them, but they're not, mm-hmm. they can't go with you out so yeah right right now it's especially troubling because it's like well you can't go with me out so i guess i can't go out mm-hmm. do you, so this is a this interesting question from america to canada just because i have had the hardest time getting carers for my patients since covid happened because everyone got so scared to work in that kind of field that they all yeah. quit <laughs> yeah no, luckily, in Canada, it's happened a lot in the long-term care homes and the nursing homes. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of outbreaks and a lot of, like, especially in, not in Ontario, the province I'm in, but in Quebec, yeah. huge, horrible outbreaks and really mismanaged care. Luckily, where I live, in my particular, like, bubble, they've been okay. They test their workers every time. Every day they, when they come in, they oh, are not cool. tested, okay. but they're, like, screened and and mm-hmm. fever checked and whatever mm-hmm. and anytime i have a any kind of tinge of anything with, with with as you know with disability like the minute you get a fever it could be a number of different things so the mm-hmm. minute i don't feel good i will go to a testing center that's why i have i've had five now because i'm like I, mm-hmm. I, I just want to make sure yeah and i've been i've been good but it's we've had one person get it here one mm-hmm. attendant got it here um I haven't seen them since they got it. I I have a feeling they won't be working in healthcare after that because it's too scary. Probably I would be not. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be I'd be scared. Um, but we've been lucky. We've been really lucky. And and when mm-hmm. this broke, the 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 attendant care service program said like we're gonna do our best to take care of everybody. Right. So just just follow the rules, stay vigilant, and we will do our best mm-hmm. to take care of you. And so I, I felt really supported because it allowed me. My other option was to move back home with my parents, which was yeah. not an option because my mom's 67 and my dad's like 56. They would do their best, but that's a lot of care to yeah. put on somebody for six months. So yeah. I've been really lucky in the, in the fact that I can, I can go see my parents like on the train and as long as I'm socially distant, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And so it feels comforting to know that I can do that and also receive the care that I need. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that, then, for sure. I mean, it was it was a little bit scary for a while there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> weren't sure like, what to do, and mm-hmm. nobody was, and nobody had an answer. And their their first answer was, just go home. And I literally had to sit down with the management team and be like, I can't go home. It's an hour away from where I live right now. Yeah. My parents are older. Like this is my home. So mm-hmm. we're gonna figure it out because I'm not going anywhere. Thanks. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it, it was, I mean, I, I think in the American system, care, getting attendant care and getting PAs mm-hmm. seems like a nightmare before COVID. Yes. <laughs> just yes. Like, it just seems like a fucking nightmare to get mm-hmm. someone to take care of you. And so I would be terrified to be a disabled person in need of care mm-hmm. down there it's- right now. It's almost always out of pocket, private pay. Um, if you're doing it any kind of 
yeah, insurance almost never pays for it. So that's the hardest part for me getting it for anyone. So they'll sort of pay for your healthcare by sort of, I mean, not really, but it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, insurance will pay for, but don't they realize that care, it's literally in the name. Yep. Health care. So there's the health part, but then there's like, what? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very broken. It's a part of the healthcare system that I was not aware was just so broken, but yeah. Wow. And I've said this three times in the show and I don't care. America, please uh-huh. take uh-huh. care of this the next time. And when and if Biden and Kamala get in, you need to, or Biden and Harris rather, you need to hold their feet to the fire. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. You're in now. You need to make fix this. You need to fix it because fuck. If Obama couldn't fix it, yeah, he, and he tried. He tried. He, God, he, he tried. He. I mean. <laughs> Wow, I have feelings about this, but this is not what this podcast is about. <laughs> <laughs> um, Political tangent. Um, yeah, yeah. Please, God, don't mm-hmm. vote Trump mm-hmm. again, please, mm-hmm. please, please, please. Um, so, if you could give one piece of advice sure. to, or any, any more than one, whatever advice you would to disabled people right now who are going through this pandemic and not only from a medical perspective, but also from as a disabled person, like what would you tell them how to deal with isolation? How would you tell them how to deal with um, social distancing, touch hunger, all that stuff that we're dealing with that is having a huge impact on disabled people's mental health. Fuck. It was before COVID, but now, but now it really is. What would you, what would you say to them as somebody who's also going through this and who's Mm -hmm. disabled? I would say stick to your guns because one of the most difficult things that I have come into contact with are people who are able-bodied and not taking it seriously. And so if I, you know, respond like, Hey, yeah, no, I'm not going to go come with you to that outdoor concert with 5,000 attendees. And I get the, Oh, what are you worried about COVID? Like, are you, eh, um, yes. yes, yes, I am. <laughs> I am a disabled woman and a registered nurse. Yes, I am worried about COVID and you should be too. Shut up, I'm going home. <laughs> so like having to deal, I, between having to deal with that, having to deal with people just thinking that because I'm respecting social distancing and because I'm choosing to, you know, to quarantine on my days off and to stay home as much as possible, I get the, oh, you're overreacting thing. And then um, just trying to mentally cope with the touch hunger. And I hadn't, used, I hadn't heard that word before. I like that. That is, that Isn't is great. It? That I is heard so it good. a few months ago. And I was like, yeah. actually, I was asked to speak on it for an, in an article. And I was like, they said it to me. And I was like, I love it. I want to <gasps> use it all the time. Yeah, because it's totally, I, absolutely a thing. Yeah. So between all of these things, I have found the most difficult thing being disabled during COVID is it's very easy to become very bitter yep. and very depressed and just angry because all these people are throwing a fit about this one little thing that I can't remember to wear a mask when I go out and you've you know lived most or your entire life having to remember, oh, is there ramps? Can I take my chair? Can I, you know, a million things every time you go somewhere and seeing these able-bodied people who already are living in a world that's more fit for them complain about a mask 
just makes it very easy to become bitter and cold-hearted. <laughs> and so my advice yeah, to... One million percent bitter, cold-hearted. Yep, yep. Hey. No. <laughs> hey. So definitely my advice is, yes, you know, be vigilant and focus on your health, but also be vigilant in finding joy where you can find it. Yes. Yes. Because, oh my God, because I mean, your mental health has a huge, it takes a huge toll on your physical health. So if you're, you're, you know, bitter and depressed and angry all the time, because we are having to live through this mess that's being mishandled a lot. And, you know, just because seeing people with able bodies just be so ridiculous about the masks and everything, it, it gets really hard. And that can, that can take a toll and make you even more high risk because of that depression. And because of that, you know, these negative feelings can definitely take a toll on your immune health. So it's finding joy where you can, the little places, finding the good parts of, you know, a global pandemic. There aren't many, but there are some. Like now we know that a lot of jobs will allow us to work from home suddenly. I know, all of a sudden, right? Oh, everything opened up. Wow, everything is digital now. Things like that. And then... um, you know, getting groceries delivered is so much easier now and finding new ways to bond with friends, uh, you know, FaceTiming people that I haven't talked to in years. In just, years. And, just and because, because I'm bored. totally, yeah. And I totally could have been FaceTiming this entire time, but now everyone's much more receptive of it, of it because COVID. So as difficult as it may be and as difficult of a time that it is, we've got to stay positive and find the joy where we can. And I mean, just to go back to that for a minute, because that's really important. I think also, like, stay. sometimes you got to go off the social media because even the well-meaning disabled people that we follow and that are are saying the things, and I've been one of them, so I'm guilty of this too. Like, I've said the things. And sometimes I'm like, oh, that was a little bit depresso. Like, maybe I shouldn't have posted that. Like, oh, all right. I just just had to record another um, episode for my platform because I realized that the last like five that I've done, I'm like, these are all really depressing. Really sad. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So it's very easy to (laughs) fall into that and just kind of take a minute and be like, hold on. It's not like that all the time. I promise. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I promise. Like we're really, we we do have, we will have joy. We will. Yeah. Um, (laughs) On the flip side of that, we've Mm -hmm. kind of been saying this throughout this whole episode, but if you could speak to non-disabled people mm-hmm. in this pandemic in a gentle, loving way, but firmly as both a nurse and as a disabled mm-hmm. woman going through this, what advice would you give to them for in two, in two ways? What advice would you give to them who, if they're going through this for the first time and they're like freaking out, they need somebody to guide them? We know. We're the experts in this field. Yep. Absolutely. Look to your disabled community because we have been doing this some of us our entire lives and have lots of ways to cope with, you know, being quarantined and having to stay home for a long time and ways to get through that and, you know, ways to make medical aids, i.e. masks, attractive and more fun to, you know, have to wear. Why do you think half of us decorate our chairs? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? It's just another type of medical aid you know, look to that disabled community. Absolutely. And then more firmly, mm-hmm. like, what would you say to them? What, just what advice would you give to them when a disabled, 
when a disabled friend says, like we just talked about, hey, friend, I'm not doing this because of COVID, rather than overreacting, they would say... Respect that choice. Say, oh, that's fine. You know, I'll catch you on the next one. Especially now where things are slowly starting to open up. And so some people are going to be more comfortable going out in public, even if it is socially distanced. Whereas I have other friends of mine that, you know, they're still not quite there and they want to stay home. And though I'm starting to go back out a little bit more, I need, you know, I will respect that as their decision and that's their safety. And I don't know, you know, every single one of my friends' medical history. Oh, so, come on. You're a nurse. You don't have the files right? ready on your phone? Come on. I mean, like, most of them, because if you are my friend and you have anything wrong with you, I will find out, and I will be like, <laughs> what are your allergies? What are your medications? What should I watch out for? <laughs> but, but, yeah, no. I'm just respecting that and allowing them, you know, that, that choice and that autonomy with how they want to handle something that can affect their body. You know, my grandparents, for example, my, my mammy, she has asthma and she has other issues and everything. And sometimes I think she does overreact to COVID a little, even as a nurse. There's sometimes where I'm just like, mammy, it, it, it's, it's okay. You can, you know, she was having symptoms, but she didn't want to go to the doctor because of COVID. I'm like, but if you have it... You, you have need to, to know. To yeah. <laughs> so it's things like, like I, you know, I, I have to take a moment with her and be like, okay, but that's, except for that time. <laughs> the other thing she refuses to do, I'm like, all right, absolutely. That's your choice. It's your body and you're, you know, you have the right to handle it the way that you feel is most appropriate and most right. Yeah. And, you know, none of those decisions and what she's doing is affecting anyone else negatively at all. So when people are like, well, it's my body. I don't have to wear a mask. That's fine. That's true. But you not wearing a mask is affecting way more than just you. Yeah. You're affecting every single person you come to contact with. And that is not kosher. <laughs> no, that's not COVID cool, friends. Yeah. No, be COVID cool. And sure. don't, like, can, can that, should that be a hashtag? COVID yeah. cool. COVID cool. That's a good hashtag. I like it. <laughs> I mean, somebody yeah. should make that. A, so, so, yeah. Um, and lastly, I remember that you are a polyamorous person. Yes. And how is all of this affecting your sex life as a poly disabled person? <laughs> so um, I started, so um, a little catch up on my life for those who don't know. Um, I am currently divorced or in the middle of a divorce. And so I separated from my last polyquad um, and had just kind of dipped my toe into the dating pool when COVID started. <laughs> oh. So dating for the first time as a very first time as a visibly disabled woman <laughs> and during a global pandemic. <laughs> That is tough. Uh huh. So that was a whew, that was a that was brand new. But the best part was so many Zoom dates, mm. and so because I'm like new to dating, I'm just like Zoom dates are so much easier. It's like if it's awkward, you can just be like, oh it's my like, Zoom, oh it crashed. Oh, oh sorry. Oh bye. Click. Yeah. <laughs> So that has been very interesting. But when it first first started, I was I wasn't really seeing anyone. I was just dating around, and 
I, I mean, I was too scared to have a sex life. (laughs) It has been seven months. I am so horny for some dick. I can't (laughs) even tell you if someone doesn't dick me down soon, I'm going to be really upset. So Mm -hmm. after seven months, my Mm -hmm. sex worker and I, we, we, we talked about it and I said, look, it's been seven months. I kind of want to give this a shot. I don't want to get yep. COVID, but I'm, I, I kind of want to dip my toe in and see if like. Finding joy. Okay. <laughs> I need to suck your dick until you, <laughs> until one of us, <laughs> please somebody. Um, <laughs> I know this is a COVID episode, but we're also kind of a sex podcast. So deal yeah. with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So like, it's been, you know, as of four days from this recording, it'll be, it'll be seven months. Uh-huh. I am. I love that you have it down to the day. Oh, I have it down to the exact day. I am. I am trying Mm -hmm. so hard to be okay with it. I am trying to remind myself that it will happen again. That you will. It will. Mm -hmm. You just have to wait. But it feels. (sighs) So long. Yes. So. And because I was already. I wasn't going on dates. I was relying on sex workers for my needs to be met. So. So that's had to stop. And so, like, it just feels – We, I mean, we talk over Zoom. He texts mm-hmm. me occasionally. It's very nice. And, like – But it's I not st- the same. I still get to see his beautiful body. That's great. But, like, yeah. we don't get to – I don't get to touch him. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel – So I'm hoping and praying that when we decide to – It's so scary. So it's all right. That's okay. I mean, we – just, I mean, I don't know if you can work masks into it, but, you know, just be careful and everything's fine because sometimes you just have to take risks and find joy. Yeah, find joy. <laughs> find joy wherever you can. I mean, I think, I almost want to make that the tag, but that sounds... The tag of the show. Yeah, take risks, find joy. Take risks, find joy. Suck um, it. It's good. <laughs> There it is. There it is. Right there. That's the one. Yeah. Take risks. Find joy. Suck dick. I knew that on a bumper sticker. Amazing. A shirt. That, let's, can we please get a shirt that says that? Yes. yes. You're going to find one. I'm going to make them to show up at your house. Amazing. I'm ready. I'm so prepped. Um, Absolutely. You also mentioned, we mentioned very briefly at the beginning that you are Miss Wheelchair yes, Virginia. Virginia. Mm-hmm. Cool being. I am. How has COVID played into that whole experience? Yes. So the Miss Wheelchair Foundation is like, it's not a beauty pageant. It is an advocacy-based pageant. So before I was constantly traveling and doing speeches and talking about um, being a healthcare practitioner and also being in, um, in a wheelchair and it was going great. I didn't have any free time ever. I was constantly booked and then COVID happened and it was just like a screeching halt of, okay, for, so for a while it was nothing. Um, so I turned to social media to do as much advocacy based there as I and, could. And look at you, you're killing it on social media. Thank you. I'm sure trying. It's, I will say that it has, COVID has given it a little boost because now nobody has anything else to do but scroll social Girl, media. Social media. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I've had to do that. I've done a lot of um, social distanced 
speeches via Zoom and um, given lectures via Zoom a lot. God bless Zoom. Just, right. uh, I mean, yeah, as I much know. as we bemoan the service. Oh, for sure. Like, it's also, thank the goodness. Like, yeah, I, like, I just uh, upgraded my plan mm-hmm. so I could have all my recordings saved on the cloud. Because, mm-hmm. I, I, man, these interviews, I'm trying to do so many more now because I'm yeah. like, I got all this time, so I might as well just do a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. So Zoom, sponsor so me. Zoom. Oh, really? I didn't know that? That's awesome. No, I, I mean, I want them to. Zoom. Oh, I thought you if, said they did. No, I, <laughs> I want them to. Zoom. Yes, they should. If you're listening, sponsor us both. Yes, please. We Andrew Gerza and Ryan Kress, like, Zoom. You're doing you really, the good thing. You really should get in the disabled market, man. Yeah. Like, hire like, us. We look really good to have on your repertoire. Just say it. Yeah, just say it. Hey, Zoom, Zoom. Um <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah. So, Ryan Crest, do you have any final parting quarantine and chill words for the people? I I think we pretty much touched on everything. Just, you know, the I think the biggest thing that I constantly run in with all my patients, whether they are um, COVID patients or not, is that it's a really hard time mentally for everyone. Um, there are people who haven't seen their family members in months and people who can't leave their house at all because they are so high risk. And so it's a time to definitely check in with yourself and realize where your mental health is, but also just be gentle and be cognizant of the other people around you and that not everyone is going to be handling this as well as you are, or, you know, not everyone is going to be doing the right thing. So you have to worry about you. Yeah. Find joy, suck dick. <laughs> Find joy, take risks, suck dick. Suck dick. Fuck, I'm, I'm literally gonna go on like I'm literally gonna go on some teacher place right now and figure out how to make one. <laughs> yes. What it's color happening. do you want it in? Black. Duh. Done. Amazing. Yes. Prepared. Love it. Um, <laughs> how I want everybody to follow you because I think what yes. you. Oh, I think you're, it's just so fun to sit down with you again. How you. do people get a hold of you? Mm-hmm. How can they so, follow you? Yes, I am on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all as chronically underscore rye. It's chronically underscore ry. And you can see all my journeys as Miss Wheelchair Virginia, also as just my dis- disability advocacy work, and a whole lot of me just talking to a camera and saying ridiculous things all the time so if you want to you know deal with that come on it's a good old time over on my platform <laughs> cool i'm here for that and i also love that your little southern accent comes out it's my favorite it, it doesn't come out <laughs> all time. the time but when you're like super <laughs> it happy it starts yeah. like cream out oh it's so bad <laughs> this was having yeah. you on again if i can find a reason to have you back on again i will do that yeah, and we'll also yeah also whatever your platform is if you need another guest yeah i know go. i'm starting to actually do that now don't worry you're on the list Ooh, the list <laughs> the list vip <laughs> um a little black book it's fine <laughs> hot all right oh. ryan crest this was such a fun interview thanks mm-hmm. for coming on episode whatever it's gonna be of quarantine and chill Yes. Oh, 22. Yeah, that's right. 22. It'll oh, go up. Cool. It'll go. We're recording this on Saturday. It'll go up on Friday. So, Sounds good. So, Ryan Kress, 
thank you for coming on and we will talk to you soon thanks for having me bye Well, there you have it. I really love sitting down with Ryan talking about the pandemic and talking about the importance of social distancing and wearing a mask to protect immunocompromised and disabled people. And it was just nice to sit down with her and hear, you know, I loved also our discussion about whether a neck gaiter is accessible or not and is something we should wear. And I love being able to have those conversations with a disabled healthcare practitioner who would understand why it's hard for me to wear a mask and who would understand some of those things. So it was a really valuable conversation. I'm really glad that Ryan agreed to do it and wanted to come on in quarantine and chill. And again, remember folks, I would love to have you on a quarantine and chill. So one more time, and I know this is a shameless plug, but if you want to be a part of a quarantine and chill, email us at disabilityafterdark@gmail.com and we'll get you on. Thanks for shining a big bright light on disability in the pandemic in this quarantine and chill. And we'll be back on Thursday with the regular episode. And we'll be back hopefully next week with a new quarantine and chill or the week after. So stay tuned, friends. Thanks for all your support. Stay safe, wear a mask, and stay comfy, cozy, crippled, and quarantined. Thanks, friends. Bye.